Rick Madison here with Scott Lanigan. So Scott, uh, I'm still here. Johnny Gaudreau, yes. Johnny Gaudreau, having an outstanding season. And uh, here's what he said. He said, uh, Coach Sutter actually demands more of him than other coaches have. And he says, as a result, he responded. So let's let's spin that a little bit because people are going, oh, are they going to talk about sports the whole time? We're, we're kind of probably. And yeah. And, and yeah. But the other side of this is um, our parents, you know, if we demand more of our kids, do they rise to that? Or are we being too too harsh on them or... Because I know you have great kids. Thank I, you very much. Your kids are fantastic as well. So, so are, is there is there a, a secret formula there? Is, is there like a, of expecting more from them? Well, you know what? I think there's. Uh, I remember this old uh, analogy about um, the, some scientists were just talking about uh, when we're given guidelines, what we do with those guidelines, or when we're kind of given expectations. So there's this experiment with monkeys where they stuck them. Uh, there was kind of a pole in the middle of a field, but there was no fences, and all the monkeys stuck around the pole like they held the pole they didn't go within uh, outside of kind of like a five foot radius Mm -hmm. then they took the same monkeys they put the same type of pole in the middle but they put a fence around the outside they ran right to the edge of the fence and they played in the whole field and the 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 kind of learning was the fact that when we have boundaries we actually do more express more when we know where they are i think it's the same with expectations when you know where the expectations are you're able to go towards them and actually want to surpass them when if you don't know you're you're kind of playing and there's a level of uncertainty. So I think, I, I, I don't doubt it, like you and I were just chatting, like Goudreau, like I didn't expect to get over 100 points again in his lifetime. He got 115 this year. And and I think it's exactly what you're saying about Sutter. They, they just said, Here, here's the horizon. You are a big part of our future. And I think uh, the belief system too. But what's interesting too is, is I do think uh, it's tougher to create expectations, check in on them. In other words, you can you can tell that to your kids. Listen, I want yeah. to clean your room, and then and then just only rain criticism on them when they don't. Instead of checking in and saying, "Okay, let's," there's a gap here. Like <laughs> you never clean your room, totally, and I want you to clean it. So, and I think there's a parenting philosophy in there that that works better. Is if if you're actually actively, and it's tougher to do that. I think is to check in and and actually encourage and. Instead of abdicate, you're yeah. delegating, I would say. I agree. I think it's the necessity of any parent to to check in regularly and often. And I think it's in that expectation of customizing to each of your kids. Because, uh, you know, Tess is going to respond different than Jacko to, to expectations you place in them. What works for one is not going to work for the other. So I think it's a both and that you have to have the expectation, but also be smart enough to go, hey, you know, what's going to work for one kid is not going to work for the other kid. So I have to be, um, you know, mindful that you, know, you, you got to give them the right thing and then you got to follow up i agree like if you don't follow up then what happens a parent to the stars of course how's that how's that for a moniker well i'll take that because you know it's probably true in a couple different ways but we don't have time to kind of navigate that rick so scott is uh is is what what are you ruggedly handsome no actually uh uh, face for radio but no what what's uh (laughs) uh down at trinity you do something I don't even know what I do anymore. <laughs> it's okay, like, so, so he's down at Trinity. If you're if you're right. to catch come, up with him, come hang out. If uh, if he owes you money, so uh, wow. one of the things about parenting, uh, you just said it on the last uh, chatter here, is is about raising them differently. And I, I have to uh, agree wholeheartedly, and it hurts me to say yes. that. 
uh, it's is that, is that you have two kids and, and one, so my son, uh, brilliant kid and they're both brilliant, but he is, um, head in the clouds when it comes to turning off the light in his room. Like, yeah, I, I swear we have to put, well, I, I just, every time I walk by the room, I just turn it off because I know it's going to be on. And, and no matter how many times recommend sarcasm, Make fun of them, signage, neon, uh, tripping over a tripwire, still nothing. Yeah. Like he's still <laughs> verbal. T- <laughs> so that's different than than Tess, but but isn't it funny? Like um you do have to to manage both as as real people and, and real humans with different ideas and thoughts. Absolutely. And it it's so crazy. It it feels like sometimes you can talk to your kid and it's like, how in the world? Do you not get this by now? Like in what planet do you have to be on that you don't get like literally flick your finger? Let's try it together. Flick it like flick together together. It's not hard. Honestly, takes you less than one calorie usage and probably you don't even sneeze it quicker. I Like I totally agree. Like sometimes I'm like it literally I just sit there and go, was I that bad when I was a kid? Like, did I actually forget? And I, I same with my kids are trying to tell them like, seriously. Seriously, this cost money when you leave this when you leave this on. You might think it's pennies, but to me, it's millions of dollars. Well, the Fortis guide comes in and oh. it says, "How's your usage?" Correct. Yeah, and mine always has the sad face. Like it's always like you've <laughs> really failed us and the rest of the community. Okay, legit. I just got ours, and in our community, it says the rest of your community is here, and here's you. We were on the next page. I'm like, how? <laughs> Does like this even the, does everybody get that from Fortis? They just make everybody depressed. Yeah. It's public shaming. It is. And you know what? Yeah. Part of me goes, I, I don't know how to do better. <laughs> like, and then I'm like, I don't want Carla to see this. <laughs> yeah. I don't let my wife see this. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And then I blame it on, I go, guys, light switches. That's what this is. Yeah. Light switches. And, and instant ones, motion yeah. sensors. Yeah. That's the solution, isn't it? I think it is actually. Because I, I, I don't have anywhere else to go. I was going to I was gonna lead with the name of, you know, kind of like a, a store franchise because I figured we need some sponsors. So I was like, <laughs> but I, I withheld. I just want if you. If you could, could you bring some sponsors on? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> okay. So Scott, uh, you may have heard uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Does what? That, does that scare the but? Jesus ideas or I, I've been hearing he's kind of reneging a little bit too. I heard it's kind of going back and forth there a little bit that he Well, maybe he can't come up with the money. I don't that's know? what I heard. So I don't know, like honestly, you know, the influences that already happen on different social media platforms or brand platforms owned by uh, you know, philanthropists and or uh multi-billionaires is already um throughout uh, our experience and culture. So uh, another guy. Now I do think um, I get his free speech platform, but everybody has their people. And so who are his people that he wants to help benefit from this uh, takeover? Who are his people that he's trying to, or what's the messaging that he's trying to get out there? I, you know, I, I don't equate it to kind of a world leader trying to take over a country necessarily, but how influential is social media, especially and so then when we give the power or uh, apparent power to a smaller group of people, how threatening is that? And and it's an interesting thing because Twitter has, I think it's 43 million followers. So it's it's actually smaller on, on the world tweet. scale. <laughs> Let me just tweet it. Yeah, just tweet it. Uh, but what's funny is 
you know, if, if people don't already know, their media is already being manipulated. So oh. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. You know, one man, is that a little bit more dangerous? Maybe, uh, for sure. But I mean, the, the part I like is, and again, I don't know if this was something he actually created or somebody else did, but he says, okay, I bought Twitter. Now I'm deleting it along with Facebook. That's right. Go outside. That's right. <laughs> that was fantastic. And then I think you also tweeted that I'm buying Coke and putting the cocaine back into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so again, we don't know if that's real or not. And we should fact check it. We, we should fact check it before we do that kind of thing. But I think you had a great point there on analytics and already how we get track. Like how many people have had where you say something and all of a sudden the advertisement pops up on your iPhone? Yeah. Say the word pergola and, and you'll get as many pergolas on your feed as you want. Like, but, I, but I'm worried about Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Scott, you ran... Well, I guess you open up the doors at Trinity Baptist for the vaccine rollout. Um, A lot of different opinions. What? Yeah. Yeah. No, people were were kind of all over the map. So what what was your what was your sense of it? Because obviously (laughs) I would hope that you had some some moments of reflection to go. uh, I don't know what we signed up for. Um, This is crazy. Um, but you probably had some, some moments of, of, uh, I would say inspiration and some other moments of what is going on here. So just, just share with us a little bit about, you know, what you experienced. Cause that, that was a lot, like that was a several lifetimes you lived. (laughs) Perhaps a wee bit of an understatement. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I would get accosted, uh, in certain, uh, grocery stores or walking down the street. I had quite a lot of feedback on that from all sides of the, uh, dynamic and debate of how that, uh, played out with a vaccine specifically, which was really interesting. And then that obviously would spill out into, um, uh, you know, masks and all sorts of things, pandemic. Interestingly, um, it was, you know, the position of Trinity always is serve this community. That's really what we value. So we've done it a lot of different ways through the fires and and uh, a number of different clinics. We've always hosted actually uh, flu clinics through the last you know decade, mm-hmm. uh, Red Cross, we, all sorts of different things. And uh, then we're we're part of the pandemic response plan in IH's uh, rollout. So we're a secondary alternate care area, and so we're actually written into the plan uh, so that uh, our facility can be used for multiple purposes, including. Uh, a vaccine or immunization but, clinic. But those previous flu shots didn't have microchips in them. Well, they didn't. And the tracking devices, they were different then. Uh, I, you know, uh, as we were joking about it, but, you know, people, you know, just showed again how strongly and and I would say, Rick, how strongly people feel, but how strongly they're influenced. And uh, one of the things I saw the most and we were talking about, uh, you know, Elon Musk in a, uh, previously, but uh, the, the analytics and how you're influenced by data. And uh, we talked to one of the things I learned again was just echo chambers. And we mean echo chambers when you start focusing on something, everything inside of that perspective just keeps getting fed. And so if you search for something on YouTube, uh, similar things keep coming as a search result on YouTube. And so similar with a a line of reasoning or thinking, uh, you're only going to get complimented in that line of reasoning and thinking. You're not going to get the outside perspective. And I found that happened tremendously during um, the vaccine clinic we were hosting. It was an interesting, we had uh, Pierre Polyev come through Kelowna and, and uh, obviously it was very, 
um, he was talking a lot about how he felt it was freedom to choose or what have you. Uh, but what's interesting is he said, I'm vaccinated. That's my choice. Um, you know, and yeah. again, that, that was his position, whether or not he'll get the leadership, whether or not he'll get the PM's job. But, but it, it, you know, and I think that was part of this was people felt um, maybe cornered. I, sure. Again, I, it's hard to say, but it was, it was such a divisive time. Yeah. You know, it, it was so divisive and it, and it felt like you couldn't actually have a conversation or you're fearful. I found like with friends, I was like, you know, uh, let's be honest. Some friends you're like, wow, I didn't know you. Okay. (laughs) Didn't know that. Right. And then some were just like, I don't care. Just get me away from it. And others were trying to do their best. And it was, you know, and I know, uh, family members that um, uh, I've talked to with uh, other individuals, like they said, it split their families. Mm-hmm. Like they literally can't talk about it anymore. Or somebody would drop a bomb in the middle of a supper and you're like, what just happened, right? Although I do love doing that. that I know like, you do it on purpose though. That's a little bit different. I do love, so I have a I have an uncle who works for CBC, used to work for CBC and the National. And then I have a, a cousin who's RCMP. And, and I would just, you know, somehow find a way to talk about, you know, does it seem like it's a little bit over the top with, uh, with police violence? Uh, some, in some ways, I'm not sure all of them. And then I just leave them and it would, it would just fester. Those the best are- part is you just sit back and sip your iced tea. <laughs> as <you're watching. laughs> uh, I will say this, uh, you know, and uh, I think from a personal level, what, all of this last two years, and especially being you know kind of neck deep in in immunization clinic trendy, was how we've lost the sense of other. And you know, I, I got a lot more about me and my wishes and my ideologies and my way, as opposed to you know, uh, can I think of the other? And and I and it just reminded me of how important that is in our culture of can I think and serve of somebody else first? And I just wondered if we thought of the other. Uh, in this season, how much different it might have uh, looked. Mm-hmm. Good point. Thank you. <laughs> and I hate saying that. I know. That's the second time I think today. Yes, I'm writing this down. I'm keeping track. Man about town. And I just want to prep you here, Rick. There's probably another good point coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's hope so. because uh, <laughs> If I'm out of them, then we're in trouble. Kind of missed the mark a few times. Anyway, uh so one of, one of the unfortunate, um, I guess, casualties of this this total focus on on COVID nineteen was the fact that a lot of uh, surgeries and elective and otherwise mm. and and other vaccinations um, kind of fell by the yeah. wayside. And uh, and World Health Organization is starting to suggest that uh, measles are starting to surge again yeah. because a lot of the parents are not uh, dealing with the measles. Is it cause and effect, I would think. Well, you would think. Uh, well, it is because, you know, I think there the, the, the other thing that increased rapidly, I think, during the season was fear. And fear this, right? Fear that, fear your neighbor, fear a mask, fear not a mask, fear whatever. And I think a lot of people got very scared. And then I, I don't always think, uh, adequate or intelligent information. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, people are making decisions based on limited or, um, you know. Hey, they did their research I've <laughs> on the interweb. <laughs> I love saying that. <laughs> Do you still use Firefox? <laughs> Who doesn't? It's actually Bing. It's <laughs> I just MSN messaged you. 
<laughs> did I even say that right? I don't even know no, if that's I, what it's called anymore. I don't think you did. Yeah, okay. But get out of MySpace account. That's no, all I that's good. I still have some tracks I've, I've uh, uploaded there so people can listen. I still want to be a famous musician. Do you? No, never. Never could sing well. Well... <laughs> Once you get talking, honestly, uh, you are going to be on. I know that's. A, I played the trumpet for twelve years, though. <laughs> Did we have a point to all? I this? don't even know where we started, and so I, <laughs> I think we were talking about the uptick on a on number of measles. things on measles. It's and, like, then, and then we went to you playing the trumpet, <laughs> which is come on. What do we want to talk about more? <laughs> It's three keys, man. Like it's a trumpet. <laughs> but the the combinations of those keys, astronomical. Oh no, just just tickle tickle oh, the keys and then you're off. Like, you're off. Oh yeah. Like it was that was a thing of then, beauty. And then you need the lip thing. Yeah, your lips, the embouchure, right? That's what you would, you know, you had to build your embouchure, which helped you uh, hit higher notes or lower notes. And then uh, never don't get me talking about the flugelhorn. <laughs> So, uh, I I played the tuba, and uh, you well, look like a tuba player. Thank you. Yeah, uh, in a good I, way, I in the think, best way possible. I don't think that's a compliment, but it anyway. Wasn't. <laughs> so I, I did that because uh, it turns out tubas don't get a lot of <laughs> solo time, <laughs> so I would never actually be tested on <laughs> what I you do. You could play it. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about all the music out there, when you think about all the music out there, <laughs> tubas rarely get a chance to Not shine. Not often featured. <laughs> to shine. <laughs> so anyway, I played the tuba and, and uh, Mr. Reed, he was our uh, English uh, music teacher and he used to do the thing where he'd throw the sheet over the piano and he would start playing keys and he'd go, okay, that was C sharp and I didn't even know but I know, and and he'd do certain things like that where we'd all sit there really aghast at, wow, you know, you have immense talent. And and then there was a, a song that came up, and I just decided uh, I'd let my friend who plays the tuba, Ken, just play with the keys while I blew as hard as I could with the tuba. <laughs> and at the end of that, he goes, Rick, we really, really heard you that time. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I started to put into question everything that he told us up to that point. After that point. Well, listen, I already was thrown a bit off when you said your English music teacher throws a sheet on the piano. I already was like, I don't have a clue what's happening well, anymore. Well, he'd look at us like, can you even believe this is going on? <laughs> I'm still playing it, but there's a sheet on the piano. <laughs> and I'd sit there and, like, I, I don't even know. I Shouldn't you be on Johnny Carson right now? Or It sounds like Mr. Reed drank whiskey before music class. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my musical history. Um, again, like you, I would love to have been in a rock band, but I didn't play any instrument. I didn't know anybody else that did, and I couldn't sing. But other than that, I was well positioned. You were well positioned. That's what I thought. I thought it was almost to the point where I was like, I think he probably could have made it. Oh, and you know what? If I could have put together a band that was talented yeah. and I could just... It was, yeah. You just didn't have the the people to surround you. Well, right? it, it was yeah. My tribe yeah. didn't show up that day. No, yeah, that's kind of sad. Uh, I don't know where we're going with that one either. So, a uh, <laughs> uh, question I've been asking my guests is dream concert. So it could have already the one that's you've already seen, and perhaps one in the future you would like to go to. 
Well, I actually uh, would have loved to have seen, I think, uh, Michael Jackson or Prince in concert. That would have been epic. I mm. think that would, to me, I just, I've always dreamed like that would have been, so I'm going backwards, but I just thought those two, that I just can imagine what they would have been like in concert. Uh, just compelling, um, probably because of just who they are and what they accomplished. Um, I think, uh, always been a big Coldplay fan. I've never seen Coldplay in concert. I'd love to see them live. That's mm -hmm. a big one. Uh, one of my favorite concerts of all time was the original U2 Joshua Tree. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I saw that in Vancouver. Killer. It was, uh, an awesome concert. The original one was just epic. So I had the t-shirt, the whole thing. And, uh, incredible concert so back in the day i think that was u2 just starting to take off and uh been a big u2 fan for a long time so it's interesting uh jimmy fallon talks about the after party for snl at, at a big anniversary and it was 25th anniversary or something like that and uh there was a whole bunch of artists in there alicia keys and and jay-z and and uh justin timberlake and all these people were there at this after party and and uh, Chappelle shows up. Oh, yeah. She's the Jimmy Fallon. I, hey, um, I think Prince is here and I think he'll play. And basically, Fallon, who tells a great story, says the crowd parted and he says, he just floated up to the stage <sighs> and just started, you know, all these talented musicians were just kids again. Like they, there was their idol. Oh, yeah. In front of everyone and just completely dominating the space. So further to your point, I, I would say Bruce Springsteen uh, would yeah, also be I up got there you. Too. Yeah, I think that's, come on. Any of those classics would be ridiculously good to see uh, live. And I, uh, man, Springsteen would be next it'd be, level. It'd be top notch. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Freshie has um, come into the news because they are putting... I, apparently it's workers from Nicaragua. I, Can you say that twice? I, no, I can't. And Nicaragua. Um, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. It, it's uh, phonetically. No, I got you. I'm, I'm, I'm no, actually mentioning I, it phonetically. No, I received that. So, uh, so on a screen and you're speaking to them um, through a screen and when you're doing your cash out at Freshie. And, and apparently it's in response to the fact that we have labor shortage. And people are calling on Freshie to, uh, you know, listen, these people are getting paid nothing in, in Nicaragua. There we go. And uh, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on this. Are they are they just simply doing something because they have to? Or is this something that we should make sure that outsourcing is uh, becomes a thing of the past? And if you cannot get Canadians of whatever form to work at your, at your restaurant, well, so be it. Just lessen your hours or like what's the answer to this it's kind of like me saying tuba instead of tuba that's what it sounds like to me rick <laughs> nicaragua how's that i you know here's the deal i think uh you know there's a number of individuals who uh live in canada that if they were offered the job to work in a um you know fast food environment they're not going to take it and and I think that's the struggle. So what do you do? I can't find employees. I can't find individuals who want to work. Like, you know, I saw another fast food joint was offering $17.50 to start plus benefits for, for fast food. It was McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, it was McDonald's. Yeah. And, and I just wasn't sure if we were allowed to name, you know, the competitors. And um, 
I, I'm like, you know, and they're and they're begging for employees. Like mm-hmm. that's higher than minimum wage, and they can't find. You know, my daughter, uh, she worked in a retail store in the mall, only got minimum wage. Moved to another store that's downtown Kelowna, uh, ice cream joint, where she gets tips because she gets she ends up making you know almost double minimum wage an hour <laughs> compared to minimum wage. And so I even young uh, students aren't wanting to work for minimum wage or work in a job that isn't cool or what. So what I. I I feel like there is a difficulty then for the, you know, franchisee or an owner to go, hey, what do I do? Do I close my doors or do I have to find a solution? So it's interesting because my son has two jobs. My daughter is looking at a job for the summer. And when he's working at the one job, he gets job offers from other people saying, hey, I appreciate the service. Would you, uh, here's my card, go call me on Monday, that kind of thing. So it's, it's actually, even if you have a good employee and, and we've all been in the restaurant yep. or, the, or the place where the disinterested employee <laughs> exists, but I really do feel for corporations that are, are looking at it going, we're already on a razor thin uh, margin. So now we have to do something to make sure that the flow is there. Or we have a tough enough time to get people to cook the food. Now serving the food, and this is a self-serve joint. So you know, I, I do, I know we're not supposed to feel bad for corporations, but I'm sure they did that out of necessity. It's absolutely out of necessity. So when I was the director of human resources at a lumber mill back in the day, it was in Alberta, uh, we had no other option but to to go along the federal Im- immigration program to hire temporary foreign workers. And it was literally all we could do. Like we had no other option because we couldn't find individuals who wanted to stack lumber for a living. Mm-hmm. We paid great money, great benefits, great opportunities at the lumber mill, full-time hours, overtime hours, bonuses. Nope, couldn't find them. And so we had to do that or else we would have shut down. And so I totally get the plight of, of business owners. It was it was a struggle. And it, it it in the long run, it costs you more upfront to get a temporary foreign worker, but it gives you longevity and stability. And so you make that investment knowing that it's going to help you get through. And then you hope that somehow you can attract a local individual uh, to join your company. But I just think people don't want it. You know, you got people that are get pushed to go get a degree, go to get a degree. And then I finished my degree. I can't find a job with my degree, but I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. uh, because now I'm a lesser in their opinion, or maybe it's just, you know, below me or whatever. And I just think, you know, there's, it, you know, in my experience, and I know you have, and I've had the opportunity to travel abroad too, uh, so there's sometimes a different perspective when you're abroad that there's a gratitude for the opportunity rather than I can't do it. And so I think that's why there's some uh, uh, success with bringing in uh, temporary workers or, or permanent uh, foreign workers who, who are just grateful and they're trying to establish. Matter of fact, at uh, a local Tim Hortons close to me, uh, you know, uh, Nav uh, works there. She uh, grew up in Delhi in India, came here to get her degree at Okanagan College, got her degree, but she was working two jobs because she sends money back home to help her mom and dad, you mm-hmm. know, and that's pretty common. And so I think she was super grateful for whatever she could do just to help them. And uh, and so, I, you know, we just perhaps were spoiled. Uh, if you grew up in, in Canada or North America, perhaps you feel like you you uh, deserve more. I'm, I'm, I'm uncertain. Well, I think if, if you get to the point where you have a job posting out there for a month and you get two people yeah. and, and two of them don't answer And one calls, of them's Rick. <laughs> then, then you're in bad straits. Uh, so, no, it's, it's, uh, I feel for, yeah. for companies that, you know, I've had to shorten hours, shut locations. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we may or may not need some more uh, immigration uh, into this country. 
uh, we do seem to have, do you, do you think the, the real estate boom has leveled out a bit with the interest rates or is it, do you, do you think we're, well, I, that's what the interweb told us. Well, the interweb's always right. Yep. I think Kelowna always seems to be the anomaly in Canada because it, it, people want to come here. So I don't think our drops are going to be as extreme as perhaps other parts of the country. But uh, certainly it seems to have slowed down here somewhat. I don't see the prices dipping tremendously. Uh, we had my neighbor, uh, they sold their house in three days and that was just a month and a half ago so like i still think that's happening uh perhaps where i think the dip might have happened is people got pretty aggressive with pricing and i think some people even in this market priced themselves out and didn't get the office they were looking for but then again who knows i think uh you know for any young adult or young person trying to get into the marketplace it's a gong show so uh you know i i think especially in Canada, they're like, what do we do and where do we go that we can actually afford to get into something? And, and where does that, how can we help the the next generation? I mean, obviously my, my kids, your kids, they're going to be looking for a home. It's it's the dream. What are they going to do? Like, wh- where do they go? I mean, obviously there's going to have to be grandparents and parents helping them with the deposit, but it, it, it is interesting because I think they have to live further and further away from the large centers. Well, totally. Or they, you know, as, as you know, I'm sure you did and I did. Once you uh, were of age, you're like, I'm driving as fast out of this town as possible. You want to necessarily yes. be away from family. But uh, I've got friends that uh, their parents said, hey, I think it's going to be more cost effective, effective for us to build together. So the parents took the basement suite and the kids took upstairs and they built a house together and uh, far more manageable mortgages and and they split everything kind of two thirds and one third and they were able to customize the basement suite so it had 10 foot ceilings a beautiful space they have some shared spaces and they have completely independent spaces and I I just wonder if there's going to be some of that type of mentality in the future where you're not looking for a basement suite necessarily just to have as an income generator it's actually shared space with family or uh, friends. I actually have some friends who've talked about uh, building a house together and they they would just uh, separate, not two townhomes, but one house where they split upper and lower. So I, I just wonder if we're going to have to have more creative solutions because you're right. Like for our kids, where are they going to go? And it's not like, you know, uh, there, there's the same job opportunities in other places too. Like I get the now we're a little bit more astute when it comes to, hey, you don't necessarily have to be in your local area to work. You can go somewhere else to work and you can network in, but that's not for every sector. So uh, do I have to go to Saskatchewan to get a home? That's what my kid was saying the other day, you know, or, or Manitoba, but it's not like those, you know, a nicer center like Saskatoon is more expensive. Well, even like in Alberta, it's not necessarily a lot cheaper to live in Edmonton than it is Cal- Calgary, right? It's it, mm-hmm. it's actually not. So um, I think Kelowna specifically is a much higher cost center for a number of reasons than other other places. People call it the sunshine tax. I don't know if that, do you think that's a thing still. Well, when it's overcast, I don't know. Do you get a reduction? Oh, um, that's one such one of the things. Great point. But Rick. in in Europe, that is the way of a lot of families go because the the older the older generation moves into the the bottom floor and and the younger families move up or or vice versa. So there's there's always been a shared accommodation, especially in 
uh, places like Italy, where I've that was where I first heard it, and and I think that could be become a thing in North America. Well, and if you ever watch House Hunters International, watch it like every week. Um, they when you see people looking for spaces over there, there's so there's so much more. Uh, are so much smaller than in in typically in North America, you know, like a normal space there, you go like it looks like an apartment or a small uh, house, but that would just be the norm in, in Europe and a lot of different countries. And uh, perhaps we just need to realign our perspectives, go actually smaller is just as good, uh, perhaps even better than bigger. And uh, we tend to want our space and, and want to push our neighbors farther, but perhaps we have to get a bit better at neighboring Neighboring. Let's let's make sure that gets into the vernacular. <laughs> like Nicaragua. <laughs> Scott, gonna go with a recommendation. Uh, you were mentioning coffee shop, a local coffee shop, and and you said unbelievable lined up. Uh, so what's their why? What's the secret? Why are they lined up the door all the time? Listen. What's the name of it first? Where it, is it located? Honestly, it's the roll up the rim to win. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. That was a different. You got to roll the tongue if you're going to do a Canadian. Roll up the rim. There it is. There it is. Um, Bright Jenny. That's local. Bright Jenny is out of this world fantastic. Dave, who uh, started it years ago, was under actually a different moniker at the time. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure he can even talk about it. But he had a name and then a, a massive organization out of the state somehow caught wind of that name and said, we already own the rights to that name in a very small coffee shop we own in one of our facilities. And so he actually had to change. And so I think it was about two years ago, it became Bright Jenny. Uh, but it is a fantastic, they roast all their beans locally here and uh, positive. There is a brightness to their coffee in the way they actually create it. And then their venue is, uh, they just keep expanding, actually. And so it's it's welcoming. It's uh, located close to downtown, kind of knew where all the district is of a lot more of those uh, restaurants and craft breweries in that hood as well. Cool. I, I, I do think that if uh, Bright Jenny uh, has, they, they had that challenge with the name. Yes. And so I'm working with uh, a client, a jewelry store, and they're trying to come up with a name. Turns out, there's a lot of names already taken. Yes. <laughs> like a lot of names. Like I even came up with uh, pragma, which is a Greek word for love, commitment, and uh, taken. Um, ethos, ergo, pragma. taken, taken, taken. And, you know, serendipity, taken. Um, you know, so. Nuggies, well, that, taken. But, but, but that's why people. Uh, get to the point where you're like, why would they come up with that name? It's probably because that's the only one left on this beautiful green planet we live on. And and so I, I feel for them on yeah. the name front because it is becoming increasingly difficult with this worldwide web of people reserving names willy-nilly in hope of, of and, getting and paid. And people are go out, they'll go out, that's right, they'll go out and buy it and then they'll hope that somebody, some big, you know, that's why uh, it's often wise to buy your own uh web URL. page uh, your url url uh of your own name too because you just never know right like it's it doesn't cost you a ton to to acquire it because you're not like super popular at this point well uh, i personally think you have nothing to worry about scott uh scott have the gas prices uh impacted your family i know you have multiple cars all gas guzzlers no i'm just kidding um but but have, have you changed your ways because of the gas prices have you tried to tweak you know, transportation, I don't know. Have you done anything differently? 
I don't know. I'm more thinking, do people get tired talking to you this much? That's what, that's more what's going, sorry, I'm trying to focus, but. <laughs> they do. I was going to call the, the the show Rick and Friends, but I'm like, oh, is that too much of a push? Maybe it is. Rick Scott and Friends is kind of what I thought it would be, but whatever, you know, it's not. So gas prices, yes, we actually have talked about that and how to be uh, much more cognizant of what we're doing, where we're going. Can we split some rides? Can we uh, commute? So actually, uh, we, we've done that. Our families really tried to work together a little bit more because it is. I got Now, there's five of us with five jobs. And so at times it is really difficult to, to try and all be in the same spot at the same time to help each other. So that's where it gets complicated. And I think in our uh, our world too, like we have a lot of stuff going on and that's just job, never mind school or, or, or just hanging out with friends. And so uh, for some, it's actually not plausible to to do that. I, it, I, I would say it would be a far better um, consideration to do less with your vehicle if our local transit was a much broader and open opportunity for people to use. Unfortunately, just because it is a smaller center, it's it's not as robust as like when we used to live in Richmond. It was, you know, you took transit quite a lot, especially if you went to a hockey game downtown or a, back in the day, the Vancouver Grizzlies, uh, which by the way, I watched uh, the Vancouver Grizzlies and LA Lakers play uh, when Kobe and Shaq were playing for the Lakers. Come on. Dead Serious killer. Uh, at that time, I could tell you a story about the oh, Grizzlies. No. Yeah. At that time, Rick, actually, in Vancouver, they actually have a surtax over and above on gas as well uh, uh, in the in the core, hoping that people will use uh, transit. What's interesting, though, is we have, whenever I pass uh, a bus in my car, uh, it's quarter full, like it's 20, yep. 20% full. So what comes first? Is it uh, greater bus um, routes and, and transportation, or is it the other thing, which is we, we wait until they're 50% capacity, then we bump, bump them up. Like I'm, I'm wondering which of the two is actually going to work. You, I think it's you share or you ride is coming into yep, town. You ride, yep. And, uh, that might help as well. I think it is, but it's also, you know, incentivizing as well. So I remember when I lived in Calgary during Stampede, they would offer free uh, LRT as it was called at the time, but it was their it was their train and you could ride that for free. Well, that was a far better option than trying to park downtown, pay for parking. And so it was just it, it a lot of people did it because it was a more cost-effective and it would and they upped how kind of the volume and and the uh, the schedules became much more dense, so you're able to kind of catch a train without waiting long. I, I just think we have to be a little bit more creative about how we incentivize people to to jump on transit, or yeah, you know, it might be with a lot of students. And and uh, I, I think thinking again when the the pushes are for high volume and and responding to that. So I think it's a number of things. Uh, May eighth is Mother's Day. Yes. Um, uh, quick story. And then you can you can share. Interesting thing is over the years, I knew my mom had, um, uh, you know, smoker consistent. And I knew she wasn't going to be on the planet for very long. So a- any cards, letters, and she was always gushy with my birthday cards and everything else. And I kept them. So every now and then I think, okay, today's the day I'm going to read them. I'm going to I'm going to go through some of the letters, cards and letters. And I read a couple sentences and then I go, nope. Not today. <laughs> like I just, it, it's funny. Like uh, there's just different people in our lives that have such tremendous yeah. impact. Uh, luckily, I, I had one of those mothers that, you know, my friends would come over knowing full well I wasn't there <laughs> just to visit. 
with Mrs. M. So it was pretty cool. That is, cool. that is, dude, the, the sentimental uh, aspect of that is is pretty compelling. But I think more compelling is that, um, you know, the difference your mom made in your life and obviously being your mom. But, you know, words matter, uh, you know, small gestures matter. And we never know how much that's going to make a difference. Kind of, you know, she she probably thought I oh, just, you know, a nice card or whatever. And and yet you're looking back and you're going, I can't even read this today because it's going to make me just, you know, verklempt. Uh, but it is I, I think that is an encouragement to me to be reminded like, Hey, that, that text or that call, Mm -hmm. you know, that card, it actually matters. And especially when it comes to, you know, family and reaching out to family. So I, I think that's fantastic. I actually, for my wife this year, uh, for mother's day, uh, we were thinking that back in, when we lived in the Fraser Valley, Abbotsford, we go down to La Conner in Anacortes, Washington, because they had the tulip festival down there. Mm. And it was ridiculously crazy. They like, honestly, you could, the tulips for days and um uh that uh moved to chilliwack there was a kind of a canadian version of that and that lady recently moved to armstrong so now the armstrong tulip festival is coming up kind of starting may 9th there and we're thinking we're going to check it out because it's a it's a pretty big deal so that's kind of like but also i think words and experiences matter right so Mm -hmm. like it's not necessarily the gift right it's it's word and so we're trying to do a lot more experiences because we know those will last longer too may you just you're just giving us lessons too Lessons so rich. I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> well, <from the> <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, there is something to be said for when you just had enough with your job, <laughs> right? You right. Just, you just had enough. When do you think? So there's a breaking point for some people, and and uh, when do you think that is? Like, I mean, we we all have friends that. Obviously, they they're doing something they they have to because they're the the breadwinner. Perhaps uh, they feel obligated. They have a mortgage, but when is enough enough? I, I I've ran into like three or four people in in my in my circle who are they make good money, but they're like I can't stand the management, the leadership, the the daily BS. When do you think enough is enough? Like when when do, can you transition? Often, I think when you wake up and you give serious consideration to the fact that I can choose between working today and a root canal. Right. And the root canal becomes rather attractive. Then I think it's time, actually time to move on. I, I think, honestly, you have to, that's where you have to, and it's lessons with Scott. We just talked about that in the previous segment, Rick. Lessons from the pulpit. Um, I think you have to, the biggest thing is you have to kind of uh, take a, um, a litmus test of your bitterness level. And I think that's the biggest factor because when when your bitterness starts to 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 um, when the balance goes towards I'm getting far more bitter than joyful or far more bitter than neutral because you can be neutral for a while mm-hmm. but when that you start to get bitter because bitterness leaks and it leaks to family friends kids and every and then every conversation you're having and then nobody likes you because you're just you're just not happy and you know what like honestly then it's time to pull the plug because you're not going to do yourself any favors. So you're saying when it starts to pervade other aspects of your life, family, friends, maybe even your health. Yep. That might be a good time to pull the pen. Got to, because I think you're going to, you will pay the dividends far longer in the future if you hold on. And so I I think you need to, to, sooner than later is always better. And it's kind of like, you know, 
when uh, I mentioned before, I'd worked in a lumber mill when uh, a few times when we had an employee who was not being successful, there was usually uh, tells that you go, there's just something here. They're dissatisfied. They're struggling with something. Maybe it could be home life, whatever. Nine times out of 10, when we would have to remove somebody and they um, uh, didn't make the decision themselves, they were almost grateful because they knew it. They're like, I'm, I'm hating this, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I know you're hating this. Like, it's obvious. And I just think they just didn't have the courage to do it themselves. And they would have saved themselves a lot of embarrassment or difficulty or whatever. Because guaranteed your employer's seen it as well. So I, too, worked at a lumberyard. And uh, Arnie was the, the, the shop hand. I just don't who, think he had the stature for it. <laughs> oh, no, big shoulders. And so we, Arnie took me uh, into the yard one day and he said, hey, I... I got this great place. You're going to love it. So he took me back there and it's like a, a cubby hole behind a wall and, and we're pressed up against the, the wall and you can't even move your head really. And we shuffle in there and That's I go, small and I, hole. well, and I thought we were going somewhere, but it was just behind the wall. So he goes, I found this uh, a couple months ago and I come in here every now and then and they can't find me. I go, great. And he goes, yeah, isn't it great? said no <laughs> no it's not i'd rather sling cement bags my friend go back <laughs> but he, he was looking at me like isn't this great this like no awesome. one can no one can see me and he said but we're in but for him he hated the job so much oh. the cubby hole was far more attractive than working in the yard so anyway uh, further to your point, do you, I, I think, do you think if, that's the time you might want to call it i think we should start calling this when you get to the cubby hole <laughs> It's time to leave. Listen, I've been staring at the corner of the wall for two thirds of this interview. (laughs) Just somehow wondering how I can escape. And uh, if you've listened to this, I'm sorry. We'll do better next time. I no, I promise. Is it KNR for short? Kelowna Now Radio. Is that what it is? Yeah. That does sound like a bit of a. But uh, less creepy. Yeah, it does sound creepy. Let's go. I was just hoping you invite me back. So I thought I'm going to stop there because if I go any further, this is, you know. So Scott, been a delight uh, oh, at no, times. Right. Honestly. Even, even as an Oilers fan, the I pleasure still has been all mine. tolerate you. Okay. <laughs> and that's really, because you often talk about tolerating people. Uh, uh, well, certain at, people. At, at Trinity. No. I, I think I, I did really good today. I'm so proud of you, Rick. I, did, I get an award for tolerating. You do get an award you for that. You know what? I just, people don't. Anyway. Listen, it's probably more than the Flames are going to get this year as an, oh. an award. But I do want to honor you with that and your time and energy investment. And, I hear And like wager. those cards to, from your mother. You know, I this hear. was like a card to me, Rick, that just spoke to my soul. A wager? Shall we oh. shall we go with a wager? I'm open to that. Okay. Well, we only have uh well, probably a few people, a handful, really. <laughs> Listen to the six listeners. <laughs> so what do we got? Uh let's say a twenty. Sure. A uh, okay twenty with that. on uh who getting through the first round. Okay, getting through the first round. Whoever makes it through the first round. Yeah. The, and then if they the both person. if they both if both teams make it through the first and round, doubles. Doubles for the next round. Yeah. And I'm you gonna... heard it here. First. Okay. Timesies. Okay, we'll go do a bottle drive, Scott Lanigan. <laughs> I think the last time we had a bit of a oh, wager. Don't, so. <laughs> don't even. All right. Thanks so much, Scott Lanigan. Uh, Thanks, Rick. Honestly, uh, a lot of fun to be here today.